Hello, you're listening to Delta Dispatches. We're discussing Louisiana's coast, its people, wildlife, and jobs, and why restoring it matters. This is Jacques Hebert. Hey, Jacques. Hey, Simone. How are you? This is Simone Terrio Malaz with Restore Retreat. I'm pretty good. I've had a busy week. How about you? Yeah, I'm doing well. It's been a busy week for the coast. We were at the CPRA board meeting yesterday in Baton Rouge. They How had, did that go? It went well. They unanimously approved uh, the 2017 master plan as well as the annual plan and kicked that kicks off the legislative process. Yeah, sure. It, it moves through the legislative process. The legislature is in session now. Um, it'll go into a committee starting next week. It has to go through uh, Senate Transportation, Senate Natural Resources, and then it moves over to the House side and has to go through Natural Resources and Transportation on that side as well. So it's a long process, but it starts as early as next week. Yep, and we're going to have a whole episode um, talking about the legislative process and the master plan and annual plan. But for now, what are we talking about? Today, we're talking about fun stuff today. So uh, it was bring your kids to work day today, thankfully. So if they're good enough, maybe you can hear from my kids later on in the show. Uh, but we are lucky enough to have Mandy Moore with us today. She's going to talk about some of her work in New Orleans uh, and something fun that she's doing. And who are you talking to? I'm going to be talking to Arthur Johnson. He is the chief executive officer of the Lower Ninth Ward CSED. Um, and yeah, we're going to be talking about kind of the recovery in that community since Hurricane Katrina, as well as why, um, you know, people in New Orleans should care about coastal restoration. So we're having a New Orleans kind of day. It's a New Orleans day in New Orleans. <laughs> so you'll come back with this in a little bit. Sounds good. All right. So we want to introduce um, Mandy Moore, Amanda Moore, with the National Wildlife Federation. She is the deputy director. She also works with us on the Mississippi River Delta program. Amanda joined NWF in the New Orleans office in 2009 after years of experience with the Gulf Coast MF after years of experience with the Gulf Coast environmental issues and serving as regional representative for the Sierra Club in Florida. Mandy, you've done a lot. This is this is <laughs> very fancy radio show. I, I always joke that like when people read um, like their bios, it sounds like an obituary. It makes you kind of sad. That, the New like, Orleans <laughs> Chamber read my whole bio oh, today before I finish? spoke. No, okay. I was like, wow, I tuned it out about five, like five seconds in. If, like, we, um, if we, we are stalled for time and we need a filibuster, <laughs> we'll, we'll finish it out. With, she holds a bachelor's degree in political science. <laughs> yes, that, that's how they ended. And a master's degree, so, too. Just put that in there. So you we are friends. We're friends for a long time. But why don't you tell everybody who's listening, the thousands of listeners, a little bit about yourself. Tell us about yourself, Mandy. I'm the deputy director of the National Wildlife Federation's Mississippi River Delta Restoration Program. And I've been doing work in New Orleans since 2009. And I've been in conservation work for a long time, 14 years, showing my age. Um, <laughs> I know I sound so young. Um, and, uh, and so a lot of my focus in the New Orleans area has, a lot of it started focusing on the Mississippi River Gulf Outlet and restoration of that ecosystem um, that was damaged from the channel and, uh, you know, working with the Army Corps and working with the state and working with community groups and stakeholders um, to see that area um, restored, which is a very vast area and it's billions of dollars of restoration. So it's um, been an honor to work on that with folks. Um, 
And that's really kind of where my heart is. And I do all kinds of other stuff too. So one <laughs> of the things that we got together on was was talking to the parishes about some of the money that's going to come their way as part of the Restore Act and part of the post-spill funds. Today marks the anniversary. Um, by the way, seven years of the Deepwater Horizon. Uh, 11 men mo- lost their lives, obviously. So uh, we're thinking about that today. But Mandy, why don't, why don't you tell us a little bit, like, let's just start at the beginning. Like, what... Did you always think New Orleans was a coastal city? I am not from Louisiana. Would you have thought that New Orleans was, if somebody asked you, having not grown up here? Yeah, because I'm a special flower. So my dad was in the Coast Guard. So I did actually come down to Homa for my eighth birthday. Homa, that's me. He was in the shipyard. But he was dry docked up Ah. in, uh, what was it, Bollinger? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. that's where he was. That's Lockport, girl. That's a different part of the world. I spent my eighth birthday on Bayou Black Drive. Oh. Oh, I, grew up on, house. I grew up in Little Bayou you know Black. The <laughs> <laughs> anyway, <laughs> so, but I'd never been to New Orleans before 2009. Um, before that miraculous eighth birthday. You know, but yeah, absolutely I did because everybody knew Hurricane Katrina. And it was pretty evident then that it was very much a coastal city. So I think that's when the whole world came to understand exactly how coastal New Orleans is. Yeah, and I, it's important. Um, it, Katrina obviously was a turning point for us, but I would say probably before Katrina, most people never thought that, right? I mean, a lot of people that lived in New Orleans probably uh, never really understood how close they were to the water. And then, of course, they weren't always that close to the water. So let's talk about Katrina. Let's talk about your work on Mr. Go Must Go. Tell us about that. It's, it was an amazing example of a coalition of folks getting together, working with the Army Corps of Engineers. And it's a group that's still held together today, right? That's right. So Mr. Go Must Go Coalition really came about in 2006, so just a year after Katrina. And they released a report that influenced the, the WERDA. I don't know how mm-hmm. detailed we want to go here. Sure, the go water for it, girl. Damage. We got a lot of time. The go wa- for it. The Water Resources <laughs> Damage Assessment. We released a report and recommendations and about closing the Mr. Go and seeing it restored. And when the WERDA came out, six, it was WERDA 2007. In the early 2007, it came out. And, and they said, um, yes, that we are going to close the shipping channel and we are going to restore the ecosystem that was impacted by it. So that was mandated by Congress. And that's something that probably needed to happen and locals said that it needed to happen for a long, long time, but unfortunately it took Hurricane Katrina and, and literally an act of Congress, the catastrophic damage to actually get Congress to act to do it. And so then the work of the Mr. Go Must Go Coalition began because we were watchdogging the Army Corps who was charged with closing the channel and coming up with the plan for restoration. And that was a big task for them. And the New Orleans District was, they were pretty good to work with. They did, I think what worked for them was a new level of stakeholder engagement. You know, this was serious business. Hundreds of people saw, like lost their lives. Everybody knew, you know, somebody that had passed and you know, in, in Katrina because of this. And so, you know, this this was something that impacted so many people and you know, they, they took it pretty seriously and they did some good stakeholder engagement and we were able to have quite an impact. We actually got an unprecedented number of comments into the... How many? Before. Over 75,000. Um, um, unbelievable. That's for the New Orleans, for a, for a single project in the New Orleans mm-hmm. district. That was a record breaker for them. And we had to, you know, we had to help them sort through the comments because they just didn't know what to do, which is a good problem. So we got a lot of people engaged. Um, 
And then as things turned out, then you had the, the Deep Water Horizon and things kind of shifted away and, and went to the state because the, mon- the money started coming down and it looked like the state was going to actually have the coffers to do that type of restoration. And which was fantastic was that we had worked with the state um, as a partner and our watchdogging of the Army Corps. So they were kind of in lockstep with us as Garrett Graves would say, on on what we wanted to see done in the for the ecosystem restoration project. So that actually turned out to our advantage because then the Coastal Master Plan became the name of the game in 2012 and the blueprint. And the blueprint looked a lot like what the Mr. Go Must Go Coalition had been advocating for for a long time. And we're seeing a lot of those priority projects get funding through the Restore Act and a lot of those projects get attention through NERDA dollars and the parishes are looking at those projects because they just know that and quip our projects are you know we're getting a lot of movement and I think it a lot of it's because we have such um, broad-based community support and public support and political support you know behind those projects in the Mr. Go ecosystem. Yeah that's it's just an amazing example of of people mobilizing and uh, starting with one one particular issue and then moving forward. And, and like you said, it's, it's dominoed to the master plan and it's been a jumping off point for several different projects. So when we get back, we want to talk about, um, we have to take a little break. We want to talk about um, some of those projects that came off of it. Some of them are very accessible to people. We want to talk about that a little bit. We want to talk about some of your community partners. And then we want to talk about some of the support that you're going to have starting this weekend, or actually we're going to thank supporters um, coming this weekend. So we'll do that when we come back. This is Delta Dispatches. We'll be back. This is Simone Malaz with Restore Retreat. You're listening to Delta Dispatches. We're discussing Louisiana's coast, its people, wildlife, and jobs, and why restoring it matters. We're here with Amanda Moore of the National Wildlife Federation. Welcome back, Mandy. Thank you. How's it going so far? It's going great. Um, so let's just wrap up because I think we were having an important conversation before the break. So let's just wrap up the Mr. Go discussions. Final thought? Well, I think you hit on something as we were going to break, which is one of the biggest lessons learned for me in this work. You know, we're going on nine years with Mr. Go Coalition. And I feel like one of the biggest things I've learned is that you just never know, you know, a big effort um, for a good cause. And we were really focused on pushing the Army Corps for, you know, that's the inception inception of the coalition and how we came together and what we were focused on doing. But really that has um, ended up being something that's um, actually influenced the state and influenced the um, parishes. And they feel more confident supporting the projects um, that we are supporting because we have such broad show of support. And so we, we never really, you know, when we, we began, we never really thought that we were going to be support, um, you know, influencing anybody but the Army Corps. And really, it's turned out to be really important and influenced a lot of other folks as well um, along the way. And so that's helped us have a lot of success. So yeah. you just never know. You certainly you certainly have set an example on how to bring people together and most importantly, how to have some credibility on issues and, and move forward and how to engage folks in a, in a meaningful way. And I think we got a lot of our credibility because it's not just, you know, um, it's a it's such a range of NGOs on the Mr. Go Coalition. There's 17 organizations from local community, neighborhood associations to large national NGOs. And we all work together to pool our resources and the local folks are, you know, just as important as the as the large folks that have you know the resources and the people on Capitol Hill. It's great to have the folks on the ground, too. Um, and that's a really critical part of finding success and having people trust 
um, what you're working on. Yeah. So let's talk about some of those people here on the ground. Um, y'all have, uh, you have a partnership with the city. You also have a partnership uh, with CSED. Arthur's coming on in a little bit and he's going to talk to Jacques. So let's talk about those partnerships, the partnership with the city. Um, what is that like? What does that mean for you? And then partnerships with groups like CSED. Well, we've been formally working with the city of New Orleans. Um, we had a relationship through the Mr. Go Coalition with um, Charles Allen, who who was a community leader in the Lower Ninth Ward and uh, really helpful for our efforts down there. And uh, when Mayor Landrew was um, elected, Charles was brought on as his coastal advisor. And so we kind of teamed up and wrote a scope of work and figured out, you know, how can we help bring some resources to the city to help with that public outreach side on coastal restoration um, and have a good partnership there. So we've been working with them for quite a quite a while now um, with their team and and um, and y'all have done summits and different we activities have done a lot of community co- activities. communities uh, community activities. Um, we always have like a big role at the annual neighborhood summits um, every year. Uh, we'll have a coastal session, just helping with giving them platforms, you know, to speak about about restoration um, in various in various places. Um, let's talk about CSED. Same same case, right? Partnership on the ground and, and opportunities there. Yeah. So after Hurricane Katrina, Pam DeShiel founded um, the CSED with Charles Allen, and she passed away in 2009. I mean, she was really a community, like just a stalwart. Like she she was so um, you know magnetic and so inspirational and. Um, she was very inspirational to me in the short time that I worked with her. Um, and that's really what kind of solidified us as a partner, um, with the CSED. And she was very committed to restoration of a Mr. Go area, especially by Bienvenue, um, in the lower ninth ward. And so she, she really has, has, uh, led the way. And I think that her legacy still kind of impacts it as, you know, we now work with Arthur, who we're going to talk to, who's wonderful, um, and, uh, so it's been a great partnership and we give them resources, um, to do community outreach. I mean, really it's about just making sure that the community is aware, the public's aware and they can get engaged. They understand that we are a coastal city. They understand, um, how they can get involved and how they can help move the restoration process forward. And that's a really powerful thing. You mentioned Bayou Bienvenue and that's an important project and, and things like the platform. Why don't you talk about like accessibility to projects? And you mentioned that as a result of Mr. Go came projects. So talk about some specific projects. So the Bayou Bienvenue Wetland Triangle is a 400 acre triangle um, in the Lower Ninth Ward. It's um, if you haven't been there, you have to go there. It's at the intersection of Caffin Avenue and Florida Avenue in the Lower Nine. And there is a platform that um, folks built after Katrina. Um, like a literal platform, right? Yes, like yep. on top of the 40 Arpent Levee. And it has been built a few times and communities very dedicated to it. And we actually, a few years ago, did a sign project out there. So you can, uh, with like National Park Service quality or style signs, and you can actually give yourself a self-tour so you understand what you're seeing when you go um out there, but you have to go because um, it's a 400-acre wetland triangle that's part of a 30,000-acre wetland unit called the Central Wetlands that extends down into St. Bernard Parish. The triangle in particular in the Lower Ninth Ward um, was once a site, not so long ago, it was a cypress uh, swamp. And so there you could walk across the whole thing and there were cypress trees and there's teeming with wildlife. And then when the Mr. Go was built, there was an immense amount of saltwater intrusion 
which wiped out um, the cypress swamp. Cypress trees, of course, need like zero salinity. And so it got too salty and all the trees died. And so what you see when you go out there um, is what we call a ghost swamp. So you see a lot of cypress, dead cypress trees and stumps and cypress knees. Um, and so uh, it's, it's, a, it's a wonderful, important place where you know, we really feel like it's kind of a portal to the crisis in the Delta. And that's a place that's five miles from the French Quarter. That's You can just drive up to it and walk up, and you can kind of see what's happening in Louisiana, and you can see the crisis along the coast, and you can see, you know, um, what we what needs to be done. Um, so so it's, it's a very powerful place to go, and we like to take, you know, decision makers out there and celebrities, and there have been tens of thousands of people that have gone out there from all over the world. I can't even tell you how many people, you know, from china to wherever i've been out there with they, they love to come see it and that that's one thing about getting support for coastal restoration it's you know you either have, you usually have to get in a boat or a plane to really go out and see it and so that's what makes um what makes this area so important for our cause so speaking of support you have um we have a couple of minutes uh left but why don't you tell us about uh the party this weekend it's not a party you it's, you corrected me earlier it's a concert it's for a the concert coast. It's not a party, people. It's going to be awesome. Um, so people. we <laughs> let me plug two things. If you want to learn more about Mr. Go Must Go, go to www.mrgomustgo.org. And if you want to learn more about Bayou Bienvenue and how to get there and all the pictures, go to www.restorethebayou.org. And we'll set you up. Concert for the coast. Concert, not the party. Not the party for the people. The concert for the coast. Concert for the coast is we we're just it's kind of like a rally, a little rally. It's a thank you for our all of Earth our supporters. Day. Earth. It's, it happens to be on Earth Day because you know good things just come together like that. It's Earth Day. It's you know we're we're the master plan is now in the legislature and we're making sure that uh, folks know that this is really important to a lot of people and we have some amazing musicians. Harry Shearer is going to be hosting for us at the Jazz and Harry. Center on Saturday night, um, starting at seven o'clock, and we have Lost Bayou Ramblers and Voices of a Nation and Dragon Smoke, which is um, a super jam band in New Orleans, made up of many groups you might know, like Dumpster Funk and Galactic. And it's going to be a lot of fun. Isaac Tubes will be out. It's going to be a good time. It sounds like a very good time. Okay, so I didn't get to ask you my fun question. Right. Always ask a fun question of our guests. Um, favorite jazz fest booth booth yeah like food booth booze booth snowball booth um, oh, what are you telling me over there john it's crawfish beignets no that's, that's not no that's not what i that's not what i get <laughs> right. I that was my favorite thing oh lord mandy's gonna come back with her answer I after the break know. this is simona laws with restore Retreat. i like the i like the vietnamese um booth isn't that really <laughs> you're listening to delta dispatches we'll be back with jacques a bear Hi, I'm Don Cheadle. Listen up. I want to talk to you about something important, the Environmental Defense Fund. EDF isn't like some of the other environmental groups. EDF works together with those on both sides of the issue. Despite all the fighting in Washington, EDF has found ways for both parties to support real progress. That has made our air and water cleaner and the products in our homes safer. So not only can our planet prosper, so can our future. Go to edf.org to see how you can help. At Audubon, we believe that where birds thrive, people prosper. Nowhere is that more evident than in Louisiana. Integrating science, education, and policy, 
Audubon, Louisiana's mission is to conserve and restore natural ecosystems, focusing on birds, other wildlife, and their habitats for the benefit of humanity and the Earth's biological diversity. Visit la.audubon.org to learn more and support our mission. la.audubon.org. Restore Retreat is a coastal nonprofit organization working in the heart of the Barataria and Terrebonne Basins, from the Mississippi River to the Atchafalaya. We work every day to restore Louisiana's coast community and culture with our mission of implementing long-term and large-scale projects for our irreplaceable region. We'll hope you join us in supporting the solution. Check us out on Twitter, Facebook, and online at www.restoreorretreat.org. National Wildlife Federation gives voices to the wildlife conservation values that are part of our country's heritage. We are charting a new course for wildlife that our children and grandchildren will thank us for. Visit our website, nwf.org Louisiana, to find out more about our work to restore and protect coastal Louisiana for generations to come. National Wildlife Federation, uniting all Americans to ensure wildlife thrive in a rapidly changing world. nwf.org Louisiana. Hello, you're listening to Delta Dispatches. This is Jacques Hebert, and I'm joined now by Arthur Johnson. Arthur is the Chief Executive Officer for Center for Sustainable Engagement and Development, or the CSED. How are you today, Arthur? I'm doing great, Jacques. How are you? Doing well, thanks. It's been a fun show so far. Um, We're talking about New Orleans, and I'm excited to have you on. Um, First, I wanted to ask, so Arthur, you were born in Washington, D.C., but your family has roots in New Orleans, particularly in the Lower Ninth Ward. Um, and now you lead an organization working to build an economically, environmental, and cult- culturally, culturally sustainable Ninth Ward. So what is it like to advance a mission in a place where you have such deep roots? Well, you know, it, it's quite interesting, Jock, to uh, never that I think that when I was a teenager coming to New Orleans to visit my grandmother in the Lower Nine, that uh, as I became an adult in and, and, and 2007, well, 2012, that I would actually be heading up an organization that would be designed to help the people of the Lower Ninth Ward and also to set an example for other communities of underserved people throughout the the state and the area and also throughout the country. Uh, You know, it's it's very refreshing because it's more than just um, uh, running an organization or kind of a job. It really has my roots are here, and so I have such a vested interest and making this community the best that it can be, particularly after the Hurricane Katrina disaster. And, you know, helping people to to understand and to be engaged uh, in environmental issues, sustainable uh, techniques that helps to increase the quality of life for uh, the community of the Lower Ninth Ward, as well as the greater New Orleans community. That's, I know you all do a lot of great work, and I mean, particularly for so many of the people that come to New Orleans and want to still get involved and help, re, you know, um, bring restore the Ninth Ward and, and volunteer, you, you're almost like an ambassador to the community in a lot of ways. So can you tell us a little bit, I know one of your areas of focus is on, you know, coastal restoration and kind of environmental work in the city. Right. So what does it mean exactly to sustain the Nine from the river to the bayou? Well, you know, it, it's a it's a uh, kind of a, a tag that uh, was created by uh, our founders. That was Pam DeShields and Charles Allen. And um, Pam, unfortunately, is no longer with us. 
Uh, she passed in 2009, but she was such a visionary uh, be, behind the creation of the Center for Sustainable Engagement and Development, or CSCD, and, you know, putting, like I said, slogans that people could relate to. The whole idea of um, the River to the Bayou is that when you understand the physical layout of the Lower Ninth Ward, you have the Mississippi River on one side, and you have the Bayou Bienvenue on the other, and across is the Industrial Canal. So it's three three quarters surrounded by water. I guess makes it a peninsula. And uh, and the whole idea is that the connection, because also knowing the history of the Lower Nine, um, you know, you had different neighborhoods like the Holy Cross neighborhood, which is closer to the river, and other neighborhoods uh, throughout the Lower Nine going towards the Bayou. Um, and it was the Lower Ninth Ward was one of the uh, top communities in this country prior to Hurricane Katrina of minority home ownership per capita. Um, and, you know, and that's such a unique label for the Lower Ninth Ward, because with all of the challenges and issues of our history, uh, segregation and the like, it was in the Lower Ninth Ward where people of color could um, buy a home and increase their quality of life. And so the the whole idea of from the river to the bayou is also connecting cultures and heritage and and people together is one lower ninth ward that there's not this separation of um, the Holy Cross area or and and other areas on the other side that um, this is is one united uh, lower ninth ward that is uh, designed to address and educate and increase the quality of life for the residents that live there and, uh, and, and, and build a sustainable community that continues to uh, deal with the challenges of disasters such as Hurricane Katrina and prior to that, uh, other types of hurricanes, Hurricane Betsy that came in, but still bounce back and, mm -hmm. and become stronger and better than ever. Yeah, and I, I want to talk a little bit about, you know, that the community. And and I know, like, many places in Louisiana and the Ninth Ward, people are and have been very connected to to the land and to the sense of place of home. Um, obviously, families have lived in the same neighborhood, same block for generations. How have environmental threats altered that? Well, you know, the, the understanding the issues of environmental uh, challenges that have come about, and I think Hurricane Katrina brought attention to the Lower Ninth Ward maybe uh, better than any anything else uh, because it was highlighted, you know, not only nationally but internationally uh, with that disaster. And it, it brought people to want to know more about what was this Lower Ninth Ward in New Orleans and where was it and, and who are the people there and, and what is this about. And, and the Lower Ninth Ward is, is, is made up of a coalition of of, of New Orleans. I mean, mm -hmm. they're musicians and artists and small businesses. Um, prior to Hurricane Katrina, there were seven, uh, seven schools, seven elementary schools, public schools in the Lower Ninth Ward and one high school. Mm -hmm. And, uh, of course, after Katrina, then they only became one, one school that uh, prior to last year was a K-12 uh, school. And then last year we opened up online... Um, a new high school. Um, but education has always been a, a major thrust in the Lower Ninth Ward. 
and um, you know, and and so all of this puts together a a very kind of quiet community of people who conducted their business, who lived their lives, who dealt with the challenges, whether from the elements of environment or from man-made elements, and but still pro, uh, progressed. And and so the the environmental challenges that happened after Katrina, you know, is it destroyed many aspects of it, but it also allowed us to rebuild um, certain points in the community to bring more attention to those environmental uh, issues and challenges that were there, like the Bayou Avenue Triangle and the platform that uh, was was built after Katrina by um, a number of students and professors from universities across the country, including University of Wisconsin and the University of Colorado, uh, Louisiana State University, the University of New Orleans, and others. And building a a platform literally to raise the attention of this body of water in the lower nine that was had prior to that was was pretty much covered from brush and and railroad tracks. And you really didn't go over there unless you were a little bit more adventurous to kind of get there was no technical path uh, to go through. But building this platform in the path now made it one of the most uh, attractive tourist attractions for people all over the world to come because you actually can see from um, this the bayou you can you can see where the um, the marshes were uh, where the cypress swamp was um, you can see the the levees and of course we have a unique type of levee that's there that the Army Corps built as a means of protection again part of that environmental challenge of metal levees uh, instead of just being hills and, and, and dirt and gravel. And so you're able to see that on both sides, the front and the back. And, and this allows people to get a better understanding of how this blends in and what this means as it, re as it relates to, um, you know, this could be a structure of the community. Uh, and it becomes so important as we continue to build and educate our, our residents and others uh, from all over the country. We Each year, for example, we have a group of Southeast Asian uh, graduate students that come to the Lower Nine through a program through the University of Minnesota. And um, they're able to come in and we're able to dialogue about uh, places in Southeast Asia, Vietnam, Philippines, uh, South Korea, in relation to how they deal with these challenges of water, things like bayous and, 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 and living with water and adjusting to the disasters that come, come through on their homeland, similar to ours, and how the community works together and also how governments help within the community. So through the disaster and through the environmental element, it has allowed the community to really be part of uh, changing the way that how the world deals and looks at environmental issues and how to use environmental tools is a positive aspect for quality of life and 
for more sustainability. Yep. And obviously Katrina was a uniquely terrible event here in Louisiana, but it, you know, the challenges we're facing are not unique to Louisiana. And so for y'all to make that, that, that connection is so important. Arthur, we're about to head into a break, but before we do, can you tell our listeners where they can go to learn more about, get involved and support Lower Ninth Ward CSED? Sure. They can visit our website, which is www.sustainthenine.org. And they can, and, and then we, there's lots of information on there about what we do, and we try to keep it updated. We can also, you can also uh, even contact contact right. us directly and by phone, which is we'll talk- 504. 504- All right, and we'll get more into that right after the break. Welcome back. You're listening to Delta Dispatches. This is Jacques Hebert, and I'm here with Arthur Johnson, CEO of Lower Ninth Ward CSED. Um, So, Arthur, you and I participated in a program at Loyola with Dr. Bob Thomas, the Institute for Environmental Communications. We learned about kind of the importance of open communication, open dialogue, and addressing these pretty heavy environmental challenges. So, right. you know, in thinking about, you know, you know, being a community organization, what advice would you give people, whether they're, you know, a federal or state agency, an NGO or other entity looking to come into a community, communicate with them about their needs, a particular project? Um, yeah, just what what would you say did you learn or do you have you learned in your experience about that? Well, I think it's very important. Communication is probably one of the most ultimate uh, mechanisms that's needed when you're doing looking at engaging the community. Uh, first is to be able to to find the right mechanism and the right temperament to address that community. Sometimes, um, you know, we have these large community meetings and we want to invite the community. We want to tell them about a different program or, or what's going on, and. It doesn't always work well because for m- many people in the community, that is not really the right form for them to 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 learn from uh, because they've they have felt that it's it's too sterile. It doesn't it doesn't allow them to engage. And what you really want is a, a mechanism and a way to to help them understand what's going on. So communication is, is key, and then being able to realize that you how do you break that down? And many of the times, in, in many of these panel discussions, you have the scientists and the professionals that are there and, you know, the people in the community, you know, you kind of have to break, break it down for them in some instances because different terms uh, can mean the same thing, but if you don't understand the community, your audience you're dealing with, you can kind of, you know, get, it can get lost in, in a lot of the uh, scientific jargon and terminology. You know, I always talk about that you know, at maybe 10 years ago, the term, or 15 years ago, the term ecosystems was not necessarily a term that was most commonplace. But in today, everybody understands what ecosystems are uh, because that education um, mechanism has continued to turn around and has become part of who we are as a community across the country. And so it's no longer just a, a term only used in academia or, or in scientific settings. And I think, you know, we're beginning to, to understand more that the community is also can be very helpful in, in helping to explain certain uh, scientific uh, mechanisms that have happened, you know, in, in the environment because they live, they may not call them the same thing, but they've been doing this for, for decades, for centuries. Uh, our, our forefathers have come in and, 
you know, it wasn't new. If they needed water to get into a certain place, how to, you know, build a little trench to have that water come in. They've used rainwater coming in because there wasn't, you know, faucets. And of how to use that water for their planting, for for their own personal use and the like. And and so, you know, there there there's is different ways of doing things but but to reach the same conclusion. So communication is so important and being able to be as transparent as possible to help people understand why you're doing something and why it's important to them. You know, again, I think what we try to do is is kind of break it down. Why is this important? Why is the coastal master plan is a document? Why is that important to you? Because when people look at it, they say, well, you know, it's going to deal with infrastructures that are not in my backyard that I don't see. So I, I shouldn't be concerned about it. And so we try to help them understand that, you know, you're impacted by these decisions that are being made, even though they're not being made directly in your in your backyard or in directly in your community, but it does impact your community. Mm-hmm. The things that are being done further away, you know, the the levees and 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 the like are again will impact those that live in in other communities and other parishes. Um, and if we don't do that, we won't be able. None of us will be protected. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and so when you start to to help them see that, then they say, "Aha!" You know, you get that "aha" moment. And they said, well, okay, I understand now why I need to know about this and how can I help to make this happen. And, and that's where we try to work with our community and educate our community members to give them that aha moment, you know, and, you know, and make it where they can understand what does it mean to me? Why, should, why is it important to you? you know, uh, yep. what's going on in, in Lafitte or uh, Lafouche Parish or Grand Isle? things that are in the very southern area uh, of, of Louisiana, you know, why why should I be concerned about that if I live in the lower ninth ward? Right. So now, we, we, we bring that connection in place. And I want to talk about that specifically. So, you know, obviously, as was mentioned earlier in the program, uh, Hurricane Katrina was a huge wake-up call. I mean, we learned that we can't rely on our levees alone to protect us, um, and that's only going to be more the case over time. So, um, if you're living in New Orleans, why should you care about coastal restoration? I guess, what's your elevator pitch? Well, we live on the coast. And we, you know, like I said, it talked in the lower nine. We have the river on one side, we have the bayou on the other. Uh, these are bodies of water, and they're, they're coastal bodies of water, and they lead into the Gulf of Mexico. Of course, the Mississippi River is, is its own body of water that leads from the north to the south of the United States. Uh, so we have to be concerned about what goes on in these bodies of water because they are part of our recreation, our education, our transportation, our commerce. Uh, our ports are important. In the port city, we are have to be very much concerned what's going on with the ports and, and what comes in and what goes out and, and what are the ports doing, not as such negative, but just as a matter of information and knowledge base. And, and that becomes also more important to the quality of life that we attempt to achieve and to keep in in our communities. So again, it's these types of things that I think says that coastal restoration is very important to us. The other factor is that many people who live in Louisiana, their roots sometimes are not always in the place they live. So if they live in New Orleans, their roots may not necessarily be in New Orleans. Their roots may be in 
St. Bernard Parish, it may be in Plaquemines Parish, it may be in Lafourche Parish, or 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 Tangible Hope, mm-hmm. or some other area. And so there are connections of family that are all over the the uh, state of Louisiana, even if you live in New Orleans, yep. in the city. So again, there's an interest there. And so what we try to do is, you know, bring bring that in so that people understand why that's such it's such important to know and to share um, as we look at the direction of where you know where we're going and and and, and how we're going to get there. Yep, and so absolutely that, as a as a Plaquemines boy living in New Orleans, I deeply understand that. So, Arthur, we're about out of time. I'm afraid to say, but can you remind uh, our listeners where they can go to learn more, volunteer, and support Lower Ninth Ward CSED? And I think you were going to give us a phone number, and I cut you off. Oh, okay, sure, yes. You can, uh, again, look online at www.sustainthenine.org uh, to our website. You can also reach us by phone at area code 504-324-9955. That's 504-324-9955. All right, well, thank you so much, Arthur. We appreciated having you on the show um, and hope to have you back on soon. And Okay, thank you, Jock. I appreciate it, and I think this has been great, and I look forward to it. All right. Well, hey, Simone, welcome back. Hey, Shock. I appreciate all of Arthur's LaFouche shout out. Yeah, I know. He, was giving a, he must know his, uh, his host. <laughs> he was great. So was Mandy. They were excellent, excellent guests today. What are you doing this weekend, Giacomo? Well, other than going to concert for the coast, um, Lake Pontchartrain Basin Foundation is having their Pontchartrain Craft Fair. Oh, do you have a craft booth? I don't have a craft booth. I might be building a birdhouse or something. (laughs) But for those interested, bring out the kids. It's this Saturday, April 22nd, um, 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. at Lake Pontchartrain Basin Foundation's new Canal Lighthouse. And that's located out on Lakeshore Drive. Very cool. I'll be at the St. Catherine of Siena Crawfish Cook-Off. Team number six, Craw Daddies. Sure would appreciate your vote. (laughs) What's the the special ingredient? I know the team captain. Um, He would kill me if I told you the (laughs) the special ingredient. So, uh, Jacques, we had another great show. You can catch us online, right? Yeah, go to MississippiRiverDelta.org slash Delta Dispatches. Subscribe and uh, catch up on old episodes and, you know, make sure you get notices for new ones. Great. We'll be back next week. That sounds good. Everyone have a great weekend.